This is Authors in Focus. James Reed, a fantasy author publishing under JMD Reed. The first volume of my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragon, is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by Bellart Wright. He is the author of Hell's Glitch, Into a Dark Adventure, the Hell's Glitch lit RPG saga book one. How are you doing today, Bellart? I am fantastic. Uh, just got off of work not too long ago, so I'm just kind of winding down tonight. It's 10 o'clock where I am, so I'm not going to be up for much longer. Uh, but pretty good, pretty good. Got a lot of energy for this time of night, surprisingly. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing fine. It's been pouring down rain all day. I think it still might be pouring down rain. It's one of those days here in Washington. Well, I always like to start these out with a, a fun question or two. So, Bellart, um, are you a morning person or an evening person? It fluctuates. Uh, typically, is dictated by my job, wherever I'm working at, um, or by my body, whatever my body feels like doing. I kind of a uh, slave to it. But the thing that like suits me more is, is being a night person, because uh, whenever I'm up at that time of night, most people are asleep, and I could just write, you know, and it's quiet. I wake up early too, for the same reason. I don't know. I just um, if I don't write in the morning, I won't do it in the evening. I'll be too tired. Right. I know some people get energized at night, and write, I do. but that's, yeah, I can't do that. I have to do it I'm in the morning. I can do it in the morning, too. It, it, it really does fluctuate. Like uh, like I say, if if I have like a night job or whatever, like if my job puts me on nights or something like that, I can definitely switch over to the mornings and do that and be very productive. Um, I, I'm very bad um, during that like midday sort of thing. So I'm strongest in the morning or very late at night. Okay, cool. How long have you wanted to be an author, Bellart? I've known I've wanted to be an author since about 2007, I would say. So how did you know? I mean, what was it like? You just uh, had stories you wanted to tell you were. Yeah. So it was it was a little bit of a journey before that. Um, in 2005, I ended up moving in with my brother and um, he had me do these assignments because I moved in with him during the summer. And um, a couple of them involved writing. So that kind of spurred me on to it a little bit. And then um, later that year, the next year, I had this really good creative writing teacher who would have us look at these uh, pictures. And on these pictures would be just a random picture. And we have to pick out 10 details about that picture and then write a one or two page story about it. So that really clued me in that I can do this and I'm you know, pretty decent at it. And then later, I actually decided just to say, forget it and just make a whole novel. So I wrote an entire novel in 2008. And that was my first book. Cool. And uh, what was it about? Oh, that one was really cool. Um, the only reason I haven't released that one is because, like, I consider that particular project my magnum opus. So I want to make sure I have, like, all the skills necessary to make that project the best it could possibly be. That one's a story that ex- that spans basically uh, the creation of the Earth all the way to modern times and to kind of like the biblical end time sort of thing. So, yeah, that was going to be a big old epic. Um, but the, the kind of the surface level story is like, you know, it's a story about a bunch of demon hunters, you know, pretty much hunting demons and solving crimes and shit like that. So awesome. Awesome. You know, I didn't feel I was up to writing my first story idea I really had back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wrote this other thing instead to get practice at it. And mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a lighthearted sort of um, airship romp with like Guy Pirates. And oh, instead nice. Of turn in, instead of turned into a dark, epic fantasy 
That's like a million words long. And I never got around to writing that story that I felt I wasn't good enough to write yet. Oh, I got you. I completely understand that feeling, man. But but whatever you created sounds really interesting, to be honest. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was just it was supposed to be just sort of lighthearted, but I couldn't just do lighthearted. I had to make it serious, apparently. It's it's yeah. a part of you 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 put on a page what's inside of you, so that you that was the story you had inside of you, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And uh, well, let's talk about one of your stories, um, Hell's Glitch, mm-hmm. into a dark adventure, which is a Hell's Glitch lit RPG saga. Uh, yes. If you want to let our listeners know what a lit RPG is, what is it's you know I don't think it's um the subgenre that might be very niche. I think right, super niche, super niche. It's been around probably in its current incarnation since roundabouts like 2014, and it started um. Oh man, it's it's like the the history of lit, lit RPG is very interesting. Um, but the term lit RPG kind of started around that time, like 2014, and um, it started with a, a couple of um Russian books actually, um, that were these books about characters that were kind of trapped in these M- MMO type video games. Um, and it would be chronicling like their journey into that, but also uh the genre kind of has its groundings in these Korean light novels, which uh, were also based on like characters being trapped in like this fantasy world or video yeah, game. Sword Art Online, yeah. Yes, Sword Art Online is like one of the really popular ones. Yeah, it wasn't one of the first ones. My roommate's was, obsessed with that. You have no idea yeah. how many figurines of that main hero went yes throughout our house. The the cool thing about Hell's Glitch is that that's kind of like one of the big things that inspired Hell's Glitch, like the, the whole expression for Hell's Glitch came about when I was watching Sword Art Online in the first season, and there were these two, like, raid boss fights in that season that kind of reminded me of Dark Souls, like, the tone of them were, like, dark, people were dying, you know, the whole premise of um, Sword Art Online is, like, if you die in the game, you die in real life. Yeah, the whole idea for Hell's Glitch kind of came about, like, what if you were in Sword Art Online, but the game you were playing was just Dark Souls? And that's kind of how Hell's Glitch came about. That's, like, that's it was like, Yeah, it's like the tone and the oppression and the difficulty of Dark Souls. Like, imagine having to survive that and, like, the psychological implications of, like, being in a game like that where you could actually die from, like, the events in there. I was like, oh, man. Like, and from, from there, like, writing Hell's Glitch was, like, you know, just second nature. Uh, yeah, that's about yeah, no, I mean, Dark Souls, let me just, I was watching someone playing Elden Ring today while I was working. Yeah. Uh, it just dropped the new uh, Souls-like game. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't want to be in Dark Souls in real life. Ah, oh, man, that's depressing. <laughs> just thinking about <laughs> it. Yeah, no, it is. I get that. Um, so it's like a, so it's like a game where like the, like the magic is, it's very much like has sort of video game elements to it that's sort of baked into the fiction. Right. I would I would call it like a, a weird mashup of those two properties like Sword Art Online, Dark Souls, but also Matrix in how you dive, you deal with like the real world and the game, and it's kind of this like trippy, um, you know, what's real, what's fake sort of thing going on. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely the lit RPG comes out of sort of that um, cyberpunk stuff where yeah. they were dealing with virtual realities and stuff. And um, I mean, geez, uh, I don't know, I don't know how old you are. But in the 80s, there was a D&D cartoon, and it's literally like the Dean, like they're playing a game of D&D, and they get sucked into the tabletop RPG, and that's the premise of the cartoon. I also read a novel in the mid-90s that had that same premise, where like 
they're like oh this D&D group they're like hey you know we we've made D&D like VR we're going to have you guys play it and then it turns out it's like real right <laughs> yep you got the friggin uh, Marlon Wayans D&D movie you remember that one oh yeah yeah <laughs> Does that have that premise? I honestly, I, I remember like Jeremy Irons in it. That's about all I can remember from that movie. I don't remember. Is he in that one? I, I think many, so. There's a couple bad D&D movies. I don't know which one. I Yeah, I think that's that one. I'm not 100%, yeah. but I think that's I know, that one. I know yeah. what you're talking like. I know Marlon Wayne plays like a thief in, yeah, the, in, yeah. the, in one. And I know Jeremy yeah. Irons like plays the villain and he's like insane because, you know, he's Jeremy Irons. <laughs> you know, so yeah. So I just yeah. I don't know if they're in the same movie or not. Man, it could be. It could be the Mandela effect, but I, you're probably right about that because I, I don't know. You're I know. I know right. they made a, yeah, no, I know they made a couple of them. I know I was in high school when that first D movie came out, and we all thought it was terrible. It was trash. It was trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> All right, so we got that. So, like, tell us a bit about, like, the so who's your main character in Hell's Glitch, or who are your characters that we're following? Oh, for sure. Uh, the main character is, uh, his name's Samuel Nagai. Um, he's a, um, he's a, you know, um, descendant of, he's a, I believe, uh, second generation Japanese American. And, uh, he's just like, he's just like your average gamer. Um, he's like, he's like a little bit older. He's like, uh, 29 or, he might be 27. I was. It's been so long uh, since I've been working on this project. I believe he's 29 or 27. Forgive me for not quite remembering his age. Uh, but yeah, he's just like an average gamer. Um, he gets frustrated when he's experiencing like something cheap. Um, he has girl troubles. Uh, he's a he's a, a concept artist uh, by trade. Um, but you know, he works for game companies via quality assurance. So he's a, he's a game tester. So his his passion is to be like a you know a, a artist a game artist. Oh but, yeah, um, no, I gotcha. But he got to pay bills, so you know. I I used to watch some like YouTubers that played video games that they were they used to be quality QA for um Ubisoft up there in Montreal, and mm-hmm. they would just be complaining about like no we told them about these problems in QA and it's still launched. Right. Or like what I don't know what we were doing because it didn't seem like they fixed anything we found. <laughs> That's that's Ubisoft for you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, okay, that's cool. And then um, he's just playing what it's like the new cool game or whatever, and he gets stuck in it or. Yeah, yeah. Normally he plays um, you know, crappy, you know, what I call it was like, you know, you remember um, Angry Birds. Yeah. So he plays. So, um, yep, yep. He's pretty much or uh, fla- matter of fact, better yet, Flappy Birds. You remember Flappy Birds? Oh God. Yeah, I yeah. Do know Flappy Birds. That's a terrible game. <laughs> so basically, he's playing games like that, but the but the trend in his world is like um, it's set about ten years ahead of us. The trend in his world is like uh, um, holographic slash like projector games. So he's playing like how uh, Flappy Birds, but it's like a projector version of that. And basically, all of the, all the games he's getting are like that type of game over and over again, pretty much. He goes from that to like uh, virtual reality Dark Souls. Triple uh, A virtual reality Dark Souls, so he's like super happy about this project. Awesome, and then uh, so he's he's doing QA on it when he gets stuck in there. That's the setup. Yeah, no, that sounds like a, a really great idea. So uh, we have uh, Samuel. Do we have any other characters of note? Anyone else interesting? Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, because you have the you have the IRL characters. Uh, one of the one one of the big ones is um his 
the way I have it set up is that uh, the devs, um, the testers report any sort of glitches they find to the devs. So they're assigned a dev who has uh, up to three testers to, you know, that report to them. And the way it's supposed to work out are the players are supposed to report their glitches to the dev. And then the dev works on uh, noting them down and getting them fixed, that sort of thing. So um, Sam forms a very powerful bond with his uh, with his dev because she's his lifeline to the outside world, pretty much. There's her and then there's plenty of like interesting um, characters inside of the game, you know, medieval fantasy characters of like a dark fantasy. And then there's also the main villain who is uh, the lead designer of the whole video game. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it makes sense. He, He doesn't want this terrible idea to come out or does he like intended for this to happen or no you know what don't we don't need to spoil your plot i'm sorry yeah yeah because because everything unravels towards the middle of the book the middle endish so yeah i'll i'll leave that to the reader to figure that out yeah well that's really cool uh yeah i kind of i've always toyed with maybe doing a lit rpg myself but um i've been stuck in more um, epic fantasy realms these days you can't go wrong either way no, no, definitely is fun. I know I I read enough trashy Japanese light novels. If you made one, would you make it like uh more lighthearted or would you make it epic? Would it would it be like no, a break from I all the like, epic stuff? I would want to I'd want to make it lighthearted and then it would just turn into like epic. Right. Right. Like um like Shadow of the Dragon, my current series we just started launching. Um, uh, it was supposed to be more coming of age and a little younger protagonists and mm-hmm. yet I still worked in genocide into that third book. Yeah, it happens, man. What what did you end up doing? Was it like ideas you had for like a long time that end up sneaking their way into the book, or was it just new stuff you discovered? It was just I'm just dealing with you know long enemies that have like hate each other, and mm-hmm. you know they're kind of like the bad guys are using them. So there's like there's like these Drake knights, so they're like dragon men, mm-hmm. and uh, they got really powerful magic, and they really hate these sort of barbarian dudes that mm-hmm. my main characters end up hanging out with, right? Because they mm. need to get to their like sacred spot or whatever, mm. and so the bad guys are like, "Well, we got to go and capture them." And so the dragonites are like, "Oh, cool. We we don't have a problem with that. These people like raid our stuff. We've been warring with them for like three thousand years. We hate them. They hate us. So they're just they're just down to go out there and you know assert themselves and you know put these people back in their place. And then there's a there's an evil dragon with them, and she's just She's like the incarnation of death, right? So she just really enjoys killing things. <laughs> so it's just it's a bad it's just a bad day for the people these little these sort of people that live in like these sort of uh, you know very much a primitive life out there on the plains, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's it's a bad day for them because they're kind of caught with their pants down. With friggin' death of, out there flying course, around. Yeah, but you know, and our main character is gonna have to deal something with it. But up until then, it gets pretty bad, and that's it's also to serve the character arc for sort of my um reluctant villain character so mm-hmm. she needed to do her you know she needed her character arc i needed to, to push her towards you know the good side so yeah yeah i, I respect the hell out of that because it's like you, you have all these characters who um they need to um they need to be like fully actualized like you got it you got to get there you can't just you don't just land you know at the end of at the end of your goal you know you you actually do the work to like you know get them where they need to be so and, and that requires time and storytelling. So I, I respect yeah. it. Yeah, no, she just uh, it was it was like what she needed for the last leg of her arc. It was like you know she she needed she was all she's so she's like in the downing phase. She needs to make that that step towards active 
rebellion against her side, right? And so I need something. And also, it's to impress upon you how much, you know, I, I also, the dragon's going to be a pretty serious villain in the series. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of, she, and she's, I had already established her that she's kind of unstable and she's arrogant. She really doesn't like, um, she really doesn't like lesser beings. So she kind of has a vendetta against them. So she's really just all for this. Yeah. And in fact, she's going to just rampage through the entire series. So she just, just loves it. She's like a death dragon, basically. She really is like the incarnation of death. So she just, you know, she's like, she's like, I was like, she, she's like, sees herself as the firstborn creature and she's going to be the last one to stand, right? She's the, mm. that's how she sees herself. She's, she's, uh, entropy in the form of a massive dragon that's going to rip you apart. Mm. And so she just wants to witness the death of the world because that's who she is. She's a very interesting villain. And I, and I feel like I feel like you're you're giving her like a, a nice amount of spotlight, you know, to to actually get that character, um, you know, to get her to to to, to her proper story beats. Like I, I find like in a lot of cases, like people don't really. Um, and I, I say this for myself too, like some stuff I wrote in the past, they don't really give their villains time to really stretch their wings. So that's something I've been like really kind of advocating lately with my own writing is like just giving that villain some extra spotlight uh, just to tell their particular story as well. And for me, that's like a lot, that's been a lot of fun lately. Yeah, no, I like doing that. Um, either having like a villain POV, you know, cause I like, I like to develop my villains. I like them to have some of them to have some of them. Like I have a whole mix of villains. Some of them are just sadists and they just get off on it, but other ones are, you know, they have really good reasons or, mm. you know, they're, there's there's interesting stuff. So yeah, no, there's a good. I also have twelve bucks, so I I have a good deal of time to develop. It's just, I don't have any um. There's not going to be like a last minute new villain that shows up in the series. Like you will have heard, like you don't. I don't. You the ultimate villain doesn't necessarily appear right away, mm. but he's he's there. He's mentioned by name. You know the character. He's the person that's kind of behind all this stuff that's going on. Mm. And so you just you know him. Even though if you don't see much of him, but you you see glimpses of him over the course of the book, and that that grow more and more um, mm. as we build. But yeah, so he's an interesting character. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the uh, the villain swap at the end either. Like uh, when uh, yeah. you see a lot in like JRPGs and stuff, and I'm not the hugest fan. Yeah, of that. I'm not either. I like you know you need to you need to know like you know you need to have like the guy that's there. You can't just swap them in. They need to be. Yeah. Even if they're not like, even if they're not necessarily the main antagonist of the early part of the story, they they should be there in some form. Yeah, is I, I did that in one series where like the main villain is there. There, she's like the the power that's aiding the earlier villain, right? Uh-huh. But like you meet them, you know they're there. You know that there's something up with them. You know there's something weird with her. You know, and she's definitely aiding this guy who's not great. Mm-hmm. But you don't like you don't. It's a mystery. Like what? Who is she? Why is she? She's very um, she's a very empathetic character. So it's very weird that she's working with this crime boss and mm. you know. So I do like that. You know, you should you need to develop your. Yeah, wrestling wrestling could actually teach people like a lot about the art of villainy because um they know they have this thing in wrestling called heat, and that's like basically it equates to like crowd engagement, but with uh with uh bad guys or heels in wrestling it equates to like crowd engagement based around the heel and that's typically based around them screwing over like the the heroes which are called baby faces in wrestling screwing them over doing you know cheap stuff 
really making their lives like living hell and, you know, just gen- genuinely pissing the audience off. And they know not to like transfer that heat over to like somebody completely new um, or they, they know um, very complex ways to do that, you know, to where it's not just like, who the hell is this guy? And why is he like got the spot of that other guy? I hate it. I hate that guy. I want to see that guy get messed up. I don't care about this new guy. So, yeah, re- wrestling can teach you like a lot about just basic bare bones uh, heroes and villains like wrestling can really take you a long way to develop, you know, those types of characters. Yeah, you definitely need to don't do the villain swap at the last minute. Um, you can do a villain swap, but you need to you need to lay your foundation in pretty good. You do. Works. You do. Yeah. And really it can do. be it can be like what you'd call sort of maybe the dragon rebels where like um, the dragon. I don't know if you know, it's the that's sort of the archetype for like the the evil overlords like right hand man is the dragon. Mm-hmm. So like Darth Vader is the dragon to the emperor, right? Right. And so you get so the dragon is often like the antagonist you, that party members deal with the most. Right. Right. Up until maybe the very end, but you know there's like a grander force behind them. But like you know if the dragon you know does a betrayal and takes out the boss, you technically have like a major villain switch. But he's been replaced by the dude you're already hating anyways if you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. That that I don't mind so much because that's kind of cool. Um, but like where it's it's out of left field and you're just like wait what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I hate I hate to be that guy, you know, because uh, everybody hates on Star Wars, uh, the new Star Wars. But uh, yeah, you know, um, Snoke to Palpatine all of a sudden. <laughs> that was like, whoa, what the hell? <laughs> what just happened? That's a little controversial, but uh, I, I was like, whoa. I, I'm, I, I mean, I, I didn't watch Rise because I, I saw Last Jedi and I was like, mm-hmm. I just I was like, wait, you. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't necessarily had a problem with Kylo Ren killing Snoke. I just yeah. didn't think Kylo Ren could be the 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 main villain. And like apparently neither did JJ yeah. made the next movie because he brought in Palpatine. Right, right. I was hoping they were just, I was hoping they're just gonna go full bore with it. Like, okay, Kylo's the new bad I, guy. All right, let's know, establish that. I know, right? Like Kyle yeah. you say like, Kyle had that choice, right? Mm-hmm. And he rejected redemption, he went full evil and mm-hmm. could have just admitted to that. But they didn't, because the sequel mm. trilogy is just how to not write a cohesive story that makes there you go. Yeah. sense. It's, it's just all pants, no plan. <laughs> all pants. <laughs> it's, it's being pants by different people. That's the real problem. It's not yeah. The same. Yeah, that, that was, I think, the main problem. They should have had a creative, one creative person. It didn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be the director, but it needed to be like the scriptwriter or something. And or like someone who had the the cloud to say no, we gotta keep on this vision to make it work. I mean, uh, say what you will about the prequel trilogy, it like it's a vision, it's executed, yeah, it works. It works. Maybe it could have been done, but it could have been done better. But I think like the kind of what George Lucas was trying, he, he succeeded. He succeeded. actually succeeded. Yeah. I think yeah. it just um, it needed like some polish to it. Maybe um, it needed some. I think the earlier stages probably could have used to realize, but like he he had an idea, like he had a vision. It all like there's a plan. It's, well, you know. he fi- he figured it he figured it out around the third one when he brought Spielberg on on board. It's like yeah, you know, you got certain skills that are your strong suit. World building is one of them because your world is incredible. You pe- different people can come in and play around with that world and make some awesome content, like the uh the prequel content, the stuff that's really not the three movies. Which I love the three movies. 
I love to laugh at him in some cases, but I, I also genuinely like the movies. But yeah, like that whole era of shit going on, like, you know, all that stuff with like Anakin and his turn and the wars and all that stuff. That stuff's awesome. <laughs> like Clone Wars. Yeah, awesome. I've, heard, I've never watched the Clone Wars, but I've heard good things about the TV show. Yeah, I got to watch um the entirety of it. I've only watched bits and pieces of it, but every episode I've seen was really good. Yeah, and I, I like some of the like the old EU novels, right? Like um like the Timothy mm-hmm. Zahn series. It's like the sequel to the the original trilogy was really great. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, so there's also some really bad stuff too. <laughs> it was yeah, it's always hit and miss. You never know if you're going to get something good, but there were some great ideas. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, but it was it was creative enough to where it allowed for that. But I feel like with the new stuff, like it's kind of it's almost like they pigeonhole themselves in, locked, in a lot of they're ways. Locked they're locked into the past. Like they don't want to, yeah. they don't want to do new things. They want to keep doing old things. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's the it's problem a, with it. But you know, that's just how sometimes things go, you know, honestly, that's why I like things to end and then to like new things to come out. Right. Yeah. And then that way you, you can always have like what there was there and it could always be great and it can never be like, you know, you don't, you don't have unnecessary sequels that kind of undo endings or, you know, mess characters up. You know, I don't know. That's just me. I'm I'm okay with it as long as there's passion behind. It. Like, if you want to continue a story in 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 if this world, a we, story. If there's yeah. a good, if there's a story there's that's story. to tell, yeah, of course. But you're this is the kind of the problem. Like corporations are just like we just want to make money, and there's they don't have they don't have a compelling story. They're just yeah, they lead with that. They lead with let's make money, and every decision is born out of that. Let's make money. Let's do the demographics. See what demographics we need to serve to, you know, to make whatever toy we need to. Yeah. I haven't seen the new Matrix movie because it looked god awful, but apparently, the the Wachowski sibling, whichever I don't remember which one, because only one of them did the the new one, Mm -hmm. but they totally lambast the fact that this is just a cash grab sequel in the actual story Mm -hmm. of it, where they're not even subtle. They're like. Yeah, they literally like because they have Keanu as a game developer. They're yeah. asked to make a sequel to his like prize-winning Matrix trilogy, and mm-hmm. the company that owns their game studio is literally Warner Brothers. <laughs> They're like, listen, you can make our shitty cash grab sequel, or we'll find someone that will make it for us. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. In the movie, and I'm like, man, I can kind of get that. Like, you're you kind of are just you don't really have a story. You're told you got to make it or they'll get someone else who will. And you, it's mm. your it's your thing, right? That's, you know, it's clearly very important to um, mm. at least one of the Wachowski siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that, right? When you yeah. make something, when you create a work of fiction, when you pour so much of yourself into it, mm. right? It's You can become very attached to it. Yeah. And it's very hard to, like, let it go. <laughs> She um she she did really good with it. Like that's one of those movies that everybody kind of crapped on, and understandably so because the action scenes aren't that good, and it's a very confusing movie, just like the last two Matrixes. But it's secretly yeah. like a very brilliant, meta, and enjoyable movie. Um, I, I've heard that. Like so, it's like I kind of I think I kind of will see it. Yeah. Just because I really want to see them because I do like I do like that meta shit. Yeah, it's 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 incredibly deep. Like the messages that are in that movie, um, I would have to see it. I've only seen it once. I would have to see it more than once to really kind of break it break down like all the stuff that's in it. But I have seen like other people review it and people that were more, you know, they they were more in tune with the Matrix lore than I was, 
and they were like pulling stuff up from like you know from the from the animatrix from the original trilogy from some of the video games like there's a lot more that goes into it but i didn't even know it, there's stuff in there that i didn't even know was happening like it's like oh uh the the so i i thought the technology from for like morpheus was like some brand new stuff like the whole uh bringing the machines into like the real world and having them have personalities and stuff like that I'm I'm sorry. I'm just I know what you're talking about. No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so excited that I'm just I'm just spoiling stuff. So I apologize. That. It's cool. Yeah. it's cool. Like, yeah, the the technology like, I mean, in the I'm, movie it, it it makes sense because it's it's been there before. Because some of the stuff seems like it's coming out of nowhere, but like there's like there's like a precedent for like everything you see in the movie, pretty much. Yeah, I'm like I said, I I, I haven't seen it. I just I saw the I just saw the actually I just like oh they're making a fourth Matrix movie and. Everyone that's dead's alive, and I'm like, you know what? I don't. I don't. <laughs> it's so stupid, I right? I don't. It's so stupid. You can make, like, obviously you can make it. I, I just, you know, I have limited, I have limited, you know, entertainment time because, you know, yeah. I write, I'm spending all my time writing. So I'm Same. just going to spend my entertainment time with something that I want, you know, that I want to see more of because I don't need a Matrix. Like, I didn't walk out of Matrix Revolution going, I need another movie. I went, the story's done. I liked it. I liked right. how you ended it. It got weird. Right. There was some dumb stuff. There was that kid in the giant robot. But, you know, <laughs> overall, I, I, I'm one of those people that don't, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the, the second and third Matrix movies. I like them for the most part. There's some stuff I don't like. Mm. Uh, that kid. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's fine. And so I wasn't, I wasn't craving it, you know, and there's other things that are like, what, you want to make another one of those movies? Yeah, I'm, I'm down, uh, you mm-hmm. know, until like you ruin it. And that happened with Die Hard, right? I was like, oh, cool. Another Die Hard film. I'd love to see John McClane do more dumb stuff. Yeah. Right? You know, there's some, some stories you could just do that. I used True. to be like that with Terminator movies, um, but you know, <laughs> they vanished or ruin them. Terminator is like the same as Star Wars to me. It's like because they they just do the same thing over and over again, like the same. It's almost like you're trapped. It's almost because it's almost like you're trapped in Groundhog Day because it's the same plot over and over again. I don't know. I like the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but sadly Fox canceled that on a cliffhanger. Mm, Because yeah, really interesting. Mm -hmm. All the good stuff is canceled. Yeah, well, the second season had this weird bog where it's like they had to do 22 episodes and they had like. 13 episodes of ideas mm-hmm. so it really bogged <laughs> in the middle sadly so i kind that's of like, can't wait that's like the average cw show uh <laughs> with like i like the superhero show that stuff feels so padded half the time i still can't believe supernatural came out of the cw yeah oh. that's that's when i gotta go back and watch because i had a good friend who I, um she love really the, loved that show i love the first five seasons which is done by the creator and he had like a vision right Five mm-hmm. seasons, tell a story, and I'm out. And he's right. like, you guys want to keep doing it because you you own it. I can't stop you. Mm-hmm. And he, he's out. And like the sixth season, like they don't know what to do with the show. Mm-hmm. It's really clear that they they're trying to do stuff, but I don't know. Apparently, it worked because they went on for another, like twelve seasons. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, that's... I failed on the six because I was like, okay, yeah. you guys are. Although I will admit, there was two awesome episodes in season six. And like I said, the two characters, like, you know, they're really like the actors are great together. So, yeah, yeah. Chemistry. You know? Yeah. Apparently they're like best friends in real life. Oh, I can believe it because they're they're yeah. too good on screen. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. They're like best friends in real life. Apparently, I think they even live on like the same street. As weird as oh. that. Oh, wow. They're super cool. Then. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no. So, uh, anyways, uh, so you got Hell's Guts coming out May 25th. Is that correct? Yes, May 25th. Um, that's gonna be the six-year anniversary of when it was originally published. Cause uh, this one is actually a relaunch of of the series. Um, cause I've been kind of at a hi- hiatus for like the last couple of years, personal life, uh, jobs, all that sort of thing. So I have I didn't have a lot of time to write. Um, but I'm jumping right back into it, and I felt like this was a great time to relaunch the series to make the first book even stronger than it was uh, originally. And so um, it has a brand new prologue. Um, um, everything's been tightened. Um, certain scenes have been altered uh, just to make it a much more enjoyable read. So I'm very much so looking forward to um, May 25th. Well, uh, so you got Hell's Glitch. Is, uh, so you're relaunching the entire series? Yes. Um, initially, I had three books, um, but the first time I came out with the series, uh, books two and three were actually supposed to be one book. But um, with my publishing schedule, I had to release uh, the first one. So it was kind of split in half. And it was it was a satisfying read at the length it was. It was a full length novel. Um, but, yeah, it, it was the, the story I wanted to tell. Exactly. But now I, w- I was able to finally tell it the way I wanted to tell it and put it all into one book. So um, I'll have I'll have two books uh, ready to go this year. And then the third one, which which was um, the sequel to those uh, first. It's the third one. Now it was the fourth one originally. That was going to be brand new content because now the stories I have will be like kind of re-releases with, you know, expanded content. That one will be a brand new story um, continuing the story of Hell's Glitch. Awesome. Well, it was uh, really great talking with you, Ballard. If you want to let our listeners know where they can connect with you. Oh, for sure. I appreciate your time, man. It was very enjoyable. We got to kick it about all types of nerdy stuff, Star Wars included. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, you can find me at um, Twitter, uh, BellartWrite. Um, you can find me on Patreon, uh, BellartWrite there as well. I have a YouTube channel um, that James is going to post the link to that. Um, uh, I do have a Facebook page, a uh, Facebook uh, fan page or what have you. You you can find me there, also Bellart Wright, um, or um, Occult Lit RPG as well. So that's about it for my socials. Awesome. Well, it was really great time with you, Bellart. You too, James. You too. I'm definitely looking forward. I'm gonna have to check out your uh, your book. Um, which which story of yours should I jump into? Because I'm looking for some new reads. You know, check out um check out Foundation of Courage. It's my new release. Okay, so Foundation of Courage. It just came right. out a week ago, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's I like it. Everyone says it's. Everyone's been telling me like it's my favorite book I've written. So awesome. I don't know. Okay. I mean it's like my I've had I've I'm I've grown better at it. So I guess that's just a side. That, that's uh, all we I can do it. is just to grow better. That's all we could do. And um if you feel that way, I'm definitely gonna pick it up. If you feel like you've grown better, I'm definitely gonna pick that up. Well, it was a great time with you. You have yourself a great night. You too, you too. Really appreciate the conversation. Um uh talk to you later, I guess. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my fantasy novels on Amazon. Follow news of my writing at my blog, jmd-read.com, and follow me on Twitter at jmdread. You can also join my reader group on Facebook, Fantastical Worlds of the Imagination. You can find more episodes of the podcast at fantasy-focus.com and wherever your favorite podcast is hosted.